Hi, and welcome to Snacking with the Saints, the podcast where we eat snacks and talk about saints. I'm Andrea. And I'm Lena. Thanks for being here. Ready when you are. All right, let's get started. Okay, we're back. Yay, welcome back. It's been a long break. It has been. It's been like a couple of months since we've been together. I had to kind of regroup before. Yeah, our winter hiatus is what I'm calling it. But it's been nice. Yeah, it was. slow down. It was nice to just focus on the holidays. Yes. How was your Christmas Um, I mean, it was good. It was good. We, I mean, Christmas is so fun with Ben. Like having kids (laughs) makes it so much more fun. It's just such a different experience. It really is. Like, I don't know if I said this last time. Did I say this last time? Like, not to be cheesy, but it really is about like giving more than receiving. Mm, Like it's so much more fun to be the one in charge of the Christmas magic. (laughs) I mean, once I pass a certain age, you know, like it's way more fun. Getting to pull the strings and to like do all the prep and then to see their see, eyes yeah. widen is just so beautiful. Yeah. Ben, like we showed him how to unwrap a present, but then after that he was like a pro. So it was just so fun seeing him tear the paper and so cute. Did yeah. he like his gifts? He got some good gifts that like stuff that we really play with like every day. So oh, it was like good. good. Cause I don't want like a lot of clutter yes. in the house, but it yeah. was all good stuff. Awesome. Uh, yeah, really, really slow. Louise had some time off in there too. So we just had a lot of family time. It was that a good break. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Royce actually got a couple of weeks off. Like his company like shuts down for a Christmas break. And so like everybody's off, which is really nice because yeah. then he doesn't have to like come back to a ton of emails if he takes mm-hmm. time off work. Like everyone has taken time off. Yeah. So it's kind of collective rest for them. So that was That's really awesome. nice. Yeah. That was really nice for us. And at the end of our last podcast, we talked about um, celebrating Advent mm-hmm. before going into like the Christmas season. Instead of seeing December as like just all Christmas season and doing all the Christmas things. So we really did that this Christmas. We celebrated Advent as this time of like slowing down and really just kind of in preparation and waiting. Mm -hmm. And then like for us as Catholics, we have like 12 days of Christmas. Yeah. We went all out during the 12 days of Christmas. So like I know in previous like seasons, I've been burnt by the time Christmas comes, I'm like burnt out Mm -hmm. by I, we got to decorate the cookies and we got to do the gingerbread house and presents and all those things. Yeah. But the waiting like made it so exciting to like get to do all those things. And um, it was kind of condensed into those 12 days, but it was really special and it just felt like even more worth it. So mm-hmm. I would recommend that if you ever want to kind of renew that season of Advent in your family um, and celebrate, do those Christmas traditions during the 12 days of Christmas. It's a really cool experience. Oh yeah, for sure. I think I want to just say, like, also a highlight, which is so silly, but Ben loved the, like, the newer version of The Grinch. <laughs> My mom showed that to him. The animated one. The animated one. one is cute. Yeah, I like that one. We watched it's it, like, every day. Too. Yeah. yeah. We watched it, like, every day because he loved it. <laughs> yes. and, and at this age, it's just things are on repeat. Yeah. And yeah. unfortunately, we do limit screens, but we are a screens family. Like, yeah. we use them. No judgment. So. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, America, but we, so we watched it all the time. And yeah. so like when I'm, when I think of like this Christmas, it's just like the Grinch, <laughs> but it like, I didn't get tired of it and we watched right. it every day. So, yeah. and we also had, um, three Kings day here and we hosted it. So it was really fun. And we had, um, a good time. And like you said, just like we watched all the Christmas movies up until yeah. three Kings and we listened to all the music That's and so we kept cool. our lights on. Yes. Oh, speaking of lights, I think for me. The season was like a time of like letting go of perfection nice. because Ben destroyed the Christmas tree. 
<laughs> Wait, y'all didn't do like just the half Christmas tree decorated, you know, like the top half. That's all we used to do. Really? <laughs> just I put tried all the nice ornaments to do, like, I tried to be smart about it. Yeah. I went to Hobby Lobby and got him his own tiny tree. Uh-huh. And we bought all these little ornaments and Aww. it was for the plan. Like, this is your tree. You can do whatever you want to it. And that lasted <laughs> maybe 10 minutes. And then after that, he was trying to put his ornaments on the big tree. Well, yeah. I mean, and it's then the big tree. he would like put his whole tree in the tree. <laughs> and then every day he just took ornaments off. He got a tricycle for Christmas. Oh, cute. So like probably Christmas Day, the tree was like knocked over. By the tricycle? Yeah. <laughs> and so we, I was like. The tree was a toy, basically. It was a very stressful toy, yes. So Luis, after the tricycle incident, Luis was like, let's just take the street down. Christmas is over. And I was like, yes, let's do it. But then I was like, no, we're leaving this ugly, squished tree. With, everything's off. Like, everything was terrible. We are Catholic. We are staying the course until. I was until- like, we're Catholic. We're leaving this tree up. And it was like, an, every day I would look at it and be like, that is so unesthetically pleasing. But I was like, it's not about that. It's about celebrating the season all the way. That's right. So we left it out. So that was like my big takeaway. Like, it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't. It doesn't have to it's be like, for Instagram. No, it doesn't. And it like, it's the season in your life. Like right. right now, it's just like maddening probably. But like 10 years from now, you're going to be like, oh, I kind of missed that tree. <laughs> you know, because of what, it, what it symbolized. Yeah. Where is Ben was. Where he is in his yes. age. When, so I don't know. That was kind of our my takeaway from this season. But it was I a like great, it. a great, great Christmas. And then yeah. it's been nice to kind of ease into the new year. Yeah, for sure. I set no resolutions. Did you set resolutions? I'm not a resolutions person. I actually, like when we approach Lent, I'll do something more like spiritually related to that. But I tend to burn out quickly on resolutions. So Same. I just like, yeah. don't want to disappoint myself. So I just don't yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> do like, the resolutions I'll wait for either. Lent and like start start again so and it always comes up pretty quickly too yeah so yeah it does it feels like it comes early so just save it for that (laughs) yes I did declutter a little bit I cleaned up my pantry which was in desperate need of cleaning and organizing Mm -hmm. so I mean I feel good about that that's good that's on our to-do list for sure yeah yeah well I'm really excited about this topic because yeah me too (laughs) it is do you want me to tell say say what the topic is okay it's uh, superhero saints I love that. (laughs) Which just means saints who had like these supernatural graces that um, you wouldn't necessarily like expect from like your average person, Um, but they're God-given graces. And so we kind of look at those graces as like very heroic or like a superhero type ones. Um, So Andrea already knows... (laughs) I guess who yours was. <laughs> because I, I'm bringing like a major heavy hitter of um, of supernatural saints. So she knows who mine is, but I'm going to wait to like share it with you guys. Um, and so maybe we should just jump into snacks. Yeah, yeah. Before we do it. Um, mine, should we like do snack and then saint? Because mine is kind of related she, to okay, saint. Okay, same, same. Let, let's do it. It's like very distantly. It was yeah. inspired by the region. Okay, good. Of my saint. Mine is symbolic but it's such a stretch that um same yeah Yeah. okay (laughs) so do you want to do your snack no you tell me yours i want to i want to hear who you have oh who i have like who my saint is what your snack is and who your saint is i wait you want to know my saint wait is that what is that not what you were saying no like you say your snack Uh and then tell the saint story and then i'll say my snack and then tell the saint story okay yeah Yeah. we could do that okay we're mixing it up for the new year yeah yeah. (laughs) let's do that way okay my snack is a candy bar called the Symphony Bar. 
And Andrea had never heard of it. I'm kind of putting it together now, a little bit. (laughs) Andrea never heard of it. So I assumed like maybe it was like a grandma candy bar. But it's a chocolate bar with almonds and toffee. It's Hershey's. It's Hershey's, yeah. Grandma. I don't know. My dad's the one that always bought these for us. So now I'm kind of connecting the dots of maybe. (laughs) But I love it. Because it's like chocolate and toffee and almonds. And so it's got like all the different textures. What'd you think, Andrea? It was a little too sweet for me. Yeah. But I did like it. Yeah. Like I wanted to keep eating it, but my like my <laughs> jaw sugar. was tingling. Does that ever happen to you? Like in the back of your... Yeah. Like if I eat something, I like that to eat from like being, in the back of my... Is that from being too sugary? Pizza. I don't know. I It only happens when I eat like sugary things. Okay. Like my, the back of my teeth hurt. Maybe I should go to my dentist. <laughs> Maybe it's hitting a cavity that. Maybe. <laughs> I should probably go to the dentist. <laughs> I, my dentist moved and I get anxiety at the dentist. Okay. So yes. I don't want to go because I really liked that. That dentist like knew how to do my teeth with my anxiety. Okay. So that's the, like, but that's post, I probably do have a cavity. podcast talk. <laughs> we need to have an intervention about okay. that. It got too real, but you're you're like we're joking, but actually, but like I we, I need help you with yeah. that. <laughs> yes. Okay, I got a symphony bar because just hear me out. Okay, okay, my saint is Padre Pio, of course. Yeah, <laughs> I love him. Okay, and almonds because some people thought he was nuts. Mm. I'm mm-hmm. I'm just I'm saying what the mm-hmm. opinion was, not yeah. how I feel. Um, chocolate milk, chocolate because. He had a very sweet nature about him and, and even like a sweet fragrance that I'll talk to you about. Like, um, mm, okay. And so there's a sweetness about him. And then toffee, I, I don't know. I like toffee. I just threw that in there. Like maybe he's t- like spiritual toughness. I don't okay. know. It's kind of a stretch. But anyways, all of it blended together. <laughs> Makes a symphony. Yeah. Like, see, you see where I'm going with it, Annie? A little bit. <laughs> also, I just like the symphony more. That's basically yeah. the real reason. Yeah. Okay, um, <laughs> I can get behind it. Okay, um, okay so I'm going to talk to you about um, Padre Pio and his life story. But I wanted to talk about like what his quote-unquote superhero powers were, yeah. um, these supernatural graces. And two of them are bilocation, mm-hmm. which means being in two places at the same time. Yeah. Okay, there are several, several like recorded accounts of people – seeing Padre Pio come to them, pray for them, like um, giving them sacraments, mm-hmm. last rites for their grandfather, mm-hmm. cro- like cross continents. And oh, it's, I didn't know the cross continent part. Yes. Like there's one in New York. There's, and it's like very documented that he never left like his convent or his, mm-hmm. ho- and his hometown. So like he was always there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it started with like him being like seen by his like fellow um, friars, like outside mm-hmm. of of the um, monastery, I mm-hmm. guess at the Capuchin monastery, um, just like on the grounds outside when they knew full well like he was inside. Yeah. So like um, there, it kind of started like that, but then it just like he traveled the world. So mm-hmm. this is when he's living where he's in his um, residence, but then is also accounted for in these other places. And he's doing things like praying with them, healing them. Most of them were healings of people who were sick and had asked for his intercession because he became famous worldwide for his um, 
devout prior life mm-hmm. and his abilities. And so I think news of that had spread. So people had asked for his intercession while he was alive. Mm-hmm. And it was like he could hear it and would like go and be with them and like anoint them or pray with them, heal them. And he would say things like people who would have like the flu or have pneumonia. He would say in four days, you're going to be healed, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then they would be healed. Yeah. And they would then travel. They would like tell whoever, like what's their caretaker. They would tell people about it. They would then travel to Padre Pio's hometown and they would look for him, for him and they'd be able to identify. And now this was in the early 1900s. So it's yeah, not like they had like pictures of him like floating was on the internet. live streaming or anything. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they would um, travel there mm-hmm. and they would look for him and they'd be able to point out and say that was the man that was there. Mm-hmm. And so... There, I mean, there's so many accounts of it that it's, and it, they're very, there's so many similarities in their mm-hmm. stories that it's very hard to just discount that as like not something that could yeah. have happened. Um, so by location um, is like one of his big ones. Mm-hmm. He also had the ability to read hearts. Yeah. Um, which is like. Um, that one is, to me, I love Padre Pio, but I don't have like. I know like so many people have a strong devotion to him, but yeah. to me, like I'm, he's almost like a little spooky <laughs> a little bit. It's Why? not like the best way to describe it. The sun, like the reading hearts part. That's what spooky is. What was like a little spooky to me. Okay. I didn't, Wait, hold up. So he's not the right. So word, the whole like, by location was like, you're down with that. That part's like reading. cool. It's like, oh, that's so cool. Like he's such a, he can split himself person, but in two different continents that the reading. Well, well, but he, if he could just like tell you were sad about something, that was spooky. Well, it's more like you're like how he was in confession. I think yeah. it's like the okay. little like, ooh. It's like, like the mind reader. The it, mind reading aspect. And I think that's where we have to like distinguish between like what people would look at as like psychic powers yeah. and all that stuff as um, very different and not part of Catholicism mm-hmm. as opposed to this grace where the Lord allows this sensitivity and awareness of another person's struggles and especially because of the position he was in and the place he held in the church Mm -hmm. to be able to hear confessions it wasn't like he just gives you the information you're on your own right it's like he get he people would come into confession and be like i don't know what to confess or they were scared to confess something Mm -hmm. and he would say it outright what they needed to confess and but then he like he was given that power but then also he had the ability to absolve the sins through the name of Jesus. And so he was able to use that in order to help mm-hmm. like bring them closer to God. So that's a, a very like important distinction of why he was allowed some of those graces versus yeah. like people you would think are like my, like quote unquote mind readers, psychics and all those yeah. in that category um, that it was for building the kingdom and mm-hmm. the glory of God. And so um, he would definitely like have that ability to be able to, Um, know what someone was like thinking and be Mm -hmm. able to voice it to them in a way that was like healing and powerful and like um like a reconversion of their heart and there's a I remember one story that stuck out was just like this it's just a random story but it was like a lady was waiting in line for confession because Padre Pio heard confessions all day every Mm -hmm. day I don't think he took a day off in like 51 years of like ministry but he I think the like the church officials had said, okay, well, confession is cut off here. And the lady was like behind that part. So she was going to miss out on confession. And so in her mind, she had said like, um, 
had asked like Padre Pio, will will he just like bless me, even though like that won't be enough? And she says that she, he turned around from his grill and gave the blessing, and then went back to his like um, being a confessor. And it was like in the middle of like hearing somebody else's confession and doing all of that, and he's like being able to receive that and do that. Um, so that's how like open to the Lord he was. Yeah, and I definitely want to kind of talk about that in his spirituality of like that openness to the Lord of like, why, like Mm -hmm. perhaps why that allowed for so many graces in his life. Um, but so by location reading hearts, um, and also he also famously got the stigmata, Mm -hmm. um, which if you don't know what the stigmata is, it's like receiving the wounds of Christ on the hands, feet or the side, or even like, um, the temples or the forehead, um, anywhere that Christ was pierced during the mm-hmm. crucifixion, receiving any of those. And he had it on his hands, feet, and side. Um, so he would be continuously bleeding from these wounds in his hands and his feet and in pain. Um, and he had them bandaged up. And you'll see, you can see like live footage of his masses, and he has like the bandaged hands. Um, but anytime he would like take them off, um, there was like this fragrance of like roses. Mm-hmm. So it was never a like wound that was like, of um, like destruction and death, it was like uh, a sweet suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was painful, but then it was like symbolized by the sweet fragrance. And so even in these times of the spy location where he goes to another place, that fragrance is like almost like a foreshadowing of him coming or of Ooh, like cool. of when he's left. Like they like know that there's like this floral fragrance mm-hmm. there that's... Um, kind of like his trademark signature of that too so um just part of like the sensory experience of Mm -hmm. of some of those spiritual graces so his story is a story of suffering and bearing it with um patience and love like his whole um, like trademark motto is pray hope and don't worry Mm -hmm. um and it's just basically like saying worry is useless and just rely on the mercy of the Lord. He's going to hear your prayer. And this, so just this is like kind of an ending hope in the Lord, regardless of what the suffering is, just knowing that the Lord will hear our prayer and not to worry about it. And so just that gentleness and love for the Lord, he um, just did, like exhibited in, in all that he did. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I just wanted to kind of give that whole like backdrop of these are his superpowers, mm-hmm. you know, quote unquote, but before I gave his backstory, because I wanted you guys to see like, okay, yes, these are the things he's like, I suppose famous for. Um, but then I want to look at like, okay, what was his spirituality like? Mm-hmm. And then kind of like dig back and say, okay, like, well, what was the foundation mm-hmm. for some of that stuff? And not yeah. to say that he earned it in any way, um, but what made him so primed to receive it? And mm-hmm. so, so I'm just going to jump in with his life story. Um, so he was born into a, a very devout family, and he was born in Italy on May 25th, 1887, in a town of Pietrelcina, Italy. I'm probably not saying it right. Um, but even as a young boy, uh, he had already shown signs of, like, extraordinary, like, gifts of grace. And uh, at the age of five, he dedicated his life to God. So Aww. even before, like, his first communion, and he just had a very, like, um, like remarkable spirit and love for, like, religious life. And he was interested in becoming a friar, like, early on in his life. And it says, like, his mother described him as a quiet child who, from his earliest years, loved to go to church and to pray. Mm-hmm. And as a young boy, he could he was able to see and communicate with his guardian angel. Ooh. Which is really cool. 
And in his simplicity, it says he, his name is Francesco. Francesco assumed everyone had the same experiences just in his like naivety. Like he just thought everyone got that. And uh, he, so he was just very devout from a very young age. Um, And at 15, he was admitted to the novitiate at the Capuchin Order of the Friars Minor in Italy, um, which is like a Franciscan order. Mm -hmm. And he was admired by his students, um, particularly for like his um, piety and his deep spirituality. And one of the novices said there was something which distinguished him from the other students. Whenever I saw him, he was always humble, recollected, and silent. What struck me most about Brother Pio was his love of prayer. Mm. Um, so that's one of the, his big facets of his spirituality is prayer. I think a bishop had once asked him, like, how, how many times have you said the rosary today? And he's like, well, I have to be honest. I've said it 34 times. What in the? How, what? <laughs> so he was just in a constant state of mental prayer mm-hmm. um, while he was, he's like a really good multitasker too. Yeah. I mean, right? Like, <laughs> like having trouble focusing on one thing. But to be able to pray the rosary, um, while you're doing other things, it's just quite remarkable. So he was very dedicated to the rosary and to Our Lady and, and always uh, encouraged praying the rosary. And in August of 1910, at the age of 23, Padre Pio was ordained to the priesthood. And it says that the celebration of the Holy Mass for Padre Pio was the center of his spirituality. And this is one of the things that he's also well known for is that his mass would go on for hours. Yeah. Have you heard about this? I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think there were like priests who had asked him like, you know, hey, can you like cut it down a little bit? And his response when asked to shorten his mass, Padre Pio replied, God knows that I want to say mass just like any other priest, but I cannot do it. Mm -hmm. And so it was almost like out of his like control. It was almost like he was just like brought into maybe a rapture or these times of like contemplative silence during certain parts of the mass. Um, and that could last for like hours, like mm-hmm. the mass could last for hours because of that. Um, so that it was almost like he was just transformed into this um, very mystical experience. And so um, I really just was thinking about that of like what, what it was like with the mass that just like totally, I mean, not mm-hmm. that the, I mean, obviously the mass is the highest form of our sacraments and of prayer. Um, but, just that like almost like he just had like this mystical union yeah. with the Lord. So when mass was being celebrated and the, um, the sacrifice, the passion of, of Christ, um, you know, and this is my body, like giving his, Jesus, giving his body to us in just like this very like mystical union. I just wonder if he was just so intertwined in that with the Lord that it just like took him to this other place. Um, but it says that his, Parishioners were deeply impressed by his piety, and he w- always like referred to the people that he ministered to as his spiritual children. Mm. And I just thought it was so sweet. I see, like, even in the accounts of bilocation where he goes to these different places because someone has asked for his intercession, um, one of them was a grandfather of a woman who was asking, it was, it was in New York, and she was asking for his intercession, Padre Pio's intercession for her grandfather who was dying they had originally come from Padre Pio's hometown Mm -hmm. and it turns out that the grandfather was like one of Padre Pio's like spiritual children oh cool and so it was like he wanted to come and see one of his children Mm -hmm. and give him the last rites before he died and so there's like such a fatherly aspect Mm -hmm. to Padre Pio's um 
ministry. And I think a lot about like, if you ever think about like, have you ever thought of like adopting a saint as like your spiritual director? <laughs> like beyond no. having your own spiritual director here on earth, but like also like having one in heaven. That'd be you know, a little bit. I didn't have those words for it, but maybe. Yeah. I think he's an awesome one for that because of his fatherly mm-hmm. like, guidance and just like, there's like a, a, there's a gentleness, but there's also a firmness to him. Yeah. Like he's got some hard truths to drop to you, mm-hmm. but he has like such a deep love and devotion for his children that he's like willing to go- do anything in order to make that happen. So, um, so in terms of like adopting a saint as a spiritual director in like, when you're struggling with things, just reading the writings of that saint and seeing mm-hmm. how they speak to you. Um, and it, it's really dependent on your spirituality and, and theirs and what kind of aligns and what uh, it fits right. But he's, I feel like he's an awesome one to go to um, just across the board mm-hmm. because of the, the way that he preaches and what he preaches about is very relatable to the common man. Um, it says Padre Pio is understood above all else as a man of prayer and before he was 30 years old, he had already reached the summit of spiritual life known as the unitive way, um, mm. so, which St. Teresa of Avila mm-hmm. um, talks about in depth of just like this like transforming union with God. Mm-hmm. So at a very young age, he's like in prayer almost continuously. Um, and he said he had a special mission um, to the souls in purgatory and encouraged everyone to pray to them. He said that we must empty purgatory with our prayers. Mm. Mm-hmm. And his confessor and like beloved friend had said, like one admires in Padre Pio his habitual union with God. Mm. When he speaks or is spoken to, we are aware that his heart and mind are not distracted from the thought and sentiment of God. Wow. So yeah, just to be like in complete and total union and to still be able to live in the world mm-hmm. and not be like even a cloistered, you know, or like... um like a hermit or anything. Yeah. He he was working with the public mm-hmm. for like 19 hours a day every day. Yeah. Um, and so just, it's just so remarkable. Yeah, I almost can't process him. how you even are not constantly distracted. Like how your mind I mean, is I not think it has, Don't constantly. you think it has to be like a grace? It like, has to be. Like he's just lifted up. Yeah. So, um, but if you're wondering, you know, like, Oh, well, lucky him. He got that grace. His life was marked by a lot of suffering. So mm-hmm. um, he had has had poor health his entire life, saying that like since the age of nine, his health had been a struggle for mm-hmm. him. And in fact, after his ordination of the priesthood, he had to go back to his hometown and was separated from his religious community for like five years because of his health. Mm-hmm. And it was... Um, pr- Prolonged and debilitating, but remained a mystery to his doctors. But still, Padre Pio did not become discouraged. He offered all of his bodily sufferings to God as a sacrifice for the conversion of souls. So he's very committed to this mission of the conversion of souls, the souls in purgatory as well. And he experienced many spiritual sufferings as well. And he said, I'm fully convinced that my illness is due to a special permission of God. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was just like so beautiful. Like for us, when we think of suffering, like we're kind of, there's like a desperation or a um, bitterness that comes mm-hmm. with it. A, you know, like yeah. a why me, that kind yeah. of thing. This almost entitlement that I'm, I deserve otherwise. Mm-hmm. And here Padre Pio is saying like, this is a special permission God gave me, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, it also speaks to that unitive way of just being like so tied to Christ's suffering. Um, but 
I think sometimes that gets a bad rap of like, oh, well, you're just like sad all the time. But again, I go back to that sweet suffering of like in the suffering comes the redemption. And mm-hmm. so like he lived a very like grace-filled life yeah. because of what he did with the suffering and how he used it to grow closer to Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like you can't have the glorious mysteries without the sorrowful mysteries. And so he just was tied mm. to both so mm-hmm. um, so dearly. Um, and then it says that, um, it says he, his spiritual director wrote, um, for all that Padre Pio had written for a long time, I have felt in myself a need to offer myself to the Lord as a victim for poor sinners and for the souls in purgatory. This desire has been growing continually in my heart so that now it has become what I would call a strong passion. It seems to me that Jesus wants this. Mm. And so this passion to offer himself up continually is just growing and growing. And that's when the marks of the stigmata, the wounds of Christ, start to appear on his body in 1918. Um, so he was 31 years old when when that stigmata appeared mm-hmm. upon him. And he became the first stigmatized priest in the history of the church. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So St. Francis was um, like a brother, but he mm-hmm. was not a, a priest, I believe. So... Um, it says with resignation and serenity, he bore the painful wounds in his hands, feet and side for 50 years. Up until oh, wow. his death. Yeah. I just knew about his, um, hands. hands. Yeah. I didn't realize that either until I had re- read more about him. Um, and so th- during this time with the stigmata, the unitive way, all of that happening, this is when he gets those extraordinary gifts. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it says that God endowed Padre Pio with the Extraordinary spiritual gifts and charisms, including the gift of healing. He could heal mm-hmm. people of their illnesses by location, prophecy, miracles, discernment of spirits, the ability to read hearts, the gift of tongues, and that's the ability to speak and understand languages that he had never studied. Mm. That's really cool. Um, the gift of conversions, the grace to see angelic beings in form, and the fragrance which emanated from his wounds and which frequently announced his invisible presence. So people would um, sense that fragrance, that rose fragrance first, and that would be like kind of the announcement that he's mm-hmm. coming. Um, and so, and the, also the um, discernment of spirits also, this may be tied in with that, but there are also accounts from like his fellow priests that he would have these like battles with the devil that's also why I am like a little like he's kind of like a spooky. See, is not the right word. I I'm think like, he's like a spooky. superhero because like battling the bad guys because he like you could hear from his room like yeah, these thuds. That, like, like he was basically like wrestling with the devil and like the Padre P would say like the devil would like throw him down like off his bed when he was sleeping. Um, and Jesus would lift him back up and bring him back to bed. Was it Padre Pio or St. John Vianney who would... Um, roll over and see like see the devil and then go back to sleep and then tell people like it's just the devil is that him I think or that's St. John Vianney oh, okay. because he had things too but he was uh, like not disturbed by them okay. like he was just like oh I'm so over this kind okay of thing. I don't remember because um, I remember liking that story for some reason Padre maybe Pio is, maybe it is Padre Pio I don't know I don't know that seems more like St. John Vianney he's a little bit more like low-key Padre <laughs> Pio's like hardcore <laughs> yeah. he's a warrior dude so he um but he also is like, there's if as long as you have a closeness to God, there's nothing to fear about the devil. And so, in all of those instances um, of of that happening with the devil, many saints 
say that there's nothing to fear because our God yeah. is so much more wildly powerful than anything that the devil could do in his mm-hmm. schemes. So just stay close to the Lord. Um, but um, a friend once questioned Padre Pio about all, all of these charisms that he had. And Padre Pio said, you know, they're a mystery to me too. <laughs> like, he's just like, I don't know. And he's like, although he's received more than his share of spiritual gifts, he never sought them, never felt worthy of them. He never put the gifts before the giver. Mm-hmm. Um, he always remained humble, constantly at the disposal of Almighty God. Mm. So I think this is where we see his humility just really shine, is that in, I mean, he, it, the Lord just poured forth gift after gift after gift um, for him, like these huge um, abilities mm-hmm. and just in abundance. And it, Padre Pio always referenced it back to the Lord and always used those as a way to glorify the Lord and just to be at his service at all times, literally all times. I mean, he worked 19 hour days and then slept very little and then was like, beaten up by the devil while he was sleeping. And then he ate like very little, maybe like three to 400 calories a day is what they recorded. And they were like, it's not, it was not even enough to keep a small child alive, but somehow like it, he managed to yeah. like work through that. And um, just, it's just fascinating if you look at like what he was able to do. And so it's, yeah, it says between mass and confessions, his workday was lasted 19 hours. He very rarely left the monastery and never even took a day's vacation from his grueling schedule in 51 years. He never read a newspaper or listened to the radio. He cautioned his spiritual children against watching television. Mm. Uh, and this is one of the things that I really appreciated about Padre Pio and one of the nuggets that I took t- um, to like teach my kids when they were little is that one of his famous sayings were like the eyes are the windows to the soul. And mm-hmm. so like whatever you take in with the eyes affects the soul. Mm-hmm. And so to be really discerning about what you take in, like mm-hmm. don't just allow yourself to just take in random stuff that you don't know how it's affecting mm-hmm. um, the the soul. And so to just kind of create that awareness. So that's also a, just like a piece of his spirituality that I thought was really important. Yeah. Um, and so he lived the Franciscan spirit of poverty and detachment from possessions and comforts of the world. And um, in his lifetime, it said that Padre Pio reconciled thousands of men and women back to their faith. Um, he also had a um, devotion to helping the sick, and he founded a hospital called the Home for the Relief of the Suffering. And he saw the image of Christ in the poor and the suffering and the sick and gave himself particularly to them. And he said once, bring God to all those who are sick. This will help them more than any other remedy. Um, mm. So he just saw um, the Lord as like the divine physician there and wanted to be the missionary that brought the Lord to the sick. Um, it's a serene and well-prepared. He passed away on September 23rd, 1968 at the age of 81. So he lived a long, full life. Uh, he died as he had lived with a rosary in his hands. Mm. And his last words were, Jesus, Mary, just in Italian, which he repeated over and over until he breathed his last breath. And he's, uh, he had often declared, after my death, I will do more. My real mission will begin after my death. Wow. Very, very St. Therese kind of like yeah. all back there. Um, so um, JP2 is the one that, um, or I think it was Pope Paul the Sixth that says, um, talked about Padre Pio and just how he was just such an extraordinary man, but not because he was like a philosopher mm-hmm. or scholar. He was actually uneducated. He didn't receive enough education initially to enter the priesthood. 
Um, but it wasn't because of any of his, those like worldly means. It's because he said his mass humbly heard confessions from morning till night and was a marked representative of the stigmata. He was truly a man of prayer and suffering. Um, so he, um, he ended up getting canonized on June 16, 2002 by um, Pope John Paul II. And barely then, I feel like he's like just, I thought he was like always a saint. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, he's, I guess so. I mean, he's a fairly like recent, longer. yeah, fairly recent saint. Well, we have like videos of his masses. Yeah. Still, like, which is yeah, super crazy. cool. Yeah. And JPT says, prayer and charity, this is the most concrete synthesis of Padre Pio's teaching. Prayer and charity. It just, um, that that was the foundation mm-hmm. for him, and so he's just such a model for love and and this deep devotion to the relationship with Christ. And so millions of people go to see um, his hometown of San Giovanni Rotondo. Yeah, um, would love to one day. Yeah, um, and so like um, it, it says, Saint Pio's whole life could be summed up in the words of Saint Paul to the Colossians: "Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake." And in my flesh, I complete what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. Um, so just always using his sufferings as a way to like lift up the church. Um, and so he is just like such a, I don't know, he's just such a model for not seeing your sufferings as like karma or any of those things that mm-hmm. like turn people to bitterness and resentment, but to see them as a way to grow closer to the Lord yeah. and to be united with the Lord and then to allow yourself to be a vessel mm-hmm. for the redemption of others and um, to not worry and to just really um, put your faith in the Lord and your hope in the Lord. Um, so if you have any situations where you're needing some hope, Padre Pio is an excellent powerful intercessor. intercessor yes. yeah. And he's one of those saints that will come and find you type, you know what yeah. I mean? He's, yeah. he's kind of one of those. That will, um, so anyways, I really love him and I just think that he, has some amazing abilities. He was given some amazing abilities uh, in terms of the graces he was given. But like, truthfully, I feel like his like major superpower was that humility. Mm, like that, for sure. That was what it yeah. like, laid the groundwork for everything yeah. else. So Padre Pio, pray for us. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> okay. My saint is called the Canadian Padre Pio. What? Yes. <laughs> Which I didn't know until I was doing my research. That's and so I cool. already figured you were doing Padre Pio. So yeah. I was like, this is perfect. Yes. Um, okay. So my snack mm-hmm. was um, Limon Lays, which I think they're regional. Like I said, you can't, I've seen them like not other places when I've yeah. gone. They're like my favorite north. chip. They're just like really zesty and citrusy. They were very good. I love lime. So yeah. this was right up. Yeah. They're alley. in like a lime green bag. They're my favorite chip. I chose yeah. them. Because my saint's Canadian. And so I was like, I wonder if like there's anything that's traditionally Canadian I could get. Yeah. So I tried to find like something maple. <laughs> I just like wasn't. So I Googled you it. You didn't want to do like poutine. Or <laughs> I Googled it and it was like poutine, like weird stuff. And then like I saw Andrew, a lot of like. called things weird stuff. Well, okay. The reason I said weird is because I looked up snacks that I could get. And instead I saw all these lists online of like snacks that are only Canadian and it was all of these crazy chip flavors that we don't have and like ketchup flavored chips and like a bunch of chip flavors I'd never heard of yeah so that's why I was like well I'll get chips and I wonder if Lena has had my favorite chip I hadn't so that's why I they were very good a crazy chip flavor I love that's where I went they are super awesome I feel like they're like just a good go-to snack my fave yeah 
It's definitely, I think our snacks show like how you love sweets and I love savory. For sure. Because it's very, like it's sweet and salty. <laughs> and it's, there's nothing at all that's sweet about these chips. Um, so, and I also wanted to show you this because I have a little bit of a connection to the saint because he was um, beatified when I was going to college at a Holy Cross school. Oh, neat. Uh, it, it's Brother Andre. Okay. Bissette. And he was canonized in 2010. And at the time I was going to college at St. Edwards in Austin, uh -huh. which is from, it's a school that was founded by his congregation. Oh, cool. And I didn't graduate like the from order. there. Uh -huh. Yeah, same order. But so I actually, this is like a box where I just collect all the medals I've gotten over the Aww. years. So this is what they were giving out on campus. It's like my brother Andre medal. I've never heard of him before. He's like, he's not one that a lot of people have. Yeah, and I'm then excited to hear about him. This, there was the holiest, most pure brother, Brother Thomas Frey. Uh -huh. And he gave me this. I just want to show you that because he was, I just love that. It's just like a Mary pendant. Yeah. But he would say shape. the rosary every, like once a week on campus and invite oh, the students. It's like you can feel his love in this. Yes. And he was just the most pure, holiest man. And Aww. I kept in touch with him a little bit after I transferred, but it was hard to because, you know, like. Religious aren't like on their phones or computers. Sure, so yeah. I lost touch with him eventually, but um, he, I think that was a period in time when my faith was really becoming my own mm -hmm. and there weren't a lot of people who could relate to that on campus. Yeah. So brother Thomas was truly like a light in my oh. life at a time that was really impactful in my faith journey. And he was so excited about, about the canonization yeah. and all the brothers called him saint brother andre because he was Aww. like their brother and their con congregation yeah, that's beautiful um or just brother andre like. yeah but uh he like i said he's they call him the padre pio of canada and his superpower is healing Ooh. and by location too oh cool um so i'll just jump into his story and it yeah. was like so clear when we were going to do superhero saints i was like I had to do St. Joseph Cupertino because he could fly. Right, right. Which we'll yeah. talk about him eventually. Of course, we have to. But then I was like, no, I think I have to do Brother Andre. Yeah, I like, this is like a deep cut saint. It is a little bit. And I didn't know much about his life except that he was a great healer. Yeah. So this was really cool for me I want to hear too. about the healing. Yeah. Um, okay, so his backstory is that he was born Alfred outside of Montreal. So his father was Isaac and his father was a carpenter and worked in like the lumber fields. Uh -huh. And his mother... Chloe just was a homemaker and educated the children. Yeah. And they had 12 children. Nice. He was the eighth. Four of them died in infancy, but he was still like part of a big family. Yeah. Uh, and he was very sickly at his, at his birth. Okay. And he was, they had him actually immediately baptized because it was like an emergency. They didn't think he would make it oh. out of his first few hours, but he did. And then, um, so this is in 1849 is around the time when his, when he was born and at the time, employment was really scarce in his area. So he lived mm -hmm. in a rural area. So his um, family was very devout, but very poor. Yeah. And eventually, um, his father moved to a bigger a bigger town where there was more work uh, as a, in the lumber field. He was actually killed there by a falling tree. So I didn't know that. I was oh, like, that's sad. so sad. Yeah, so just at nine, uh, his mother, who was 40, had to raise 10 children on oh, her own. Goodness. Can you imagine? But then... She actually died three years later of tuberculosis. So at the age of 12, oh. um, Brother Andre was orphaned. Oh, and I sad. didn't see what happened to the rest of his siblings. So I just hope that they were able to stay together and everything. Yeah. Um, so he was placed in the care of a family, maybe named the Nidus. Mm -hmm. uh, they were also in, uh, lived in Quebec. And uh, they, 
they took pretty good care of him. They're the ones who continued like his catechetical lessons and had him brought up in the church. Yeah. His parish pastor, Father Father Andre Provencial, mm-hmm. <laughs> is the one who really noticed his um, brother Andre's holiness yeah. and kind of inspired in brother Andre a love of St. Joseph and for the cross and the passion of Jesus. Oh, cool. Uh, so at the age of 12, brother Andre was confirmed by the bishop in his diocese and then at 14... They barely sent him to school just to learn um, to read and write his name. But once oh. he did that, they actually pulled him out of school so that he could just start working. Uh, I read that his like adoptive parents didn't see the need for an orphan to be educated, oh. which is so sad. He eventually left his kind of adoptive family and actually went to live with the mayor of his local family. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of who helped him kind of get by. And he had a lot of odd jobs like working as a farmer and a blacksmith and a baker, all these things, but he was still always very sickly mm-hmm. and he had a lot of health issues. So yeah. he really couldn't do a lot of that hard manual labor. Yeah. That sounds like Padre Pio. Yeah. Like and so, time. yeah, just really sickly. So when he was old enough, he actually lived in Connecticut for a little while and did more like work in textile mills. But um, like I said, he was never really strong enough to do that kind of work. So he moved back to Canada in 1867. Mm-hmm. And it was there that around um, that time as he was active in his parish that his um, his parish priest, Father Andre, noticed just how much of a devotion he had to, the, to just his faith. And so he is the one who wrote to the Congregation of the Holy Cross in Montreal. And he wrote a note to the superior, I'm sending you a saint. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So he was actually rejected by the order first because of his health. They didn't think they'd be able to sustain him. Yeah. But then the Archbishop of Montreal actually intervened on his behalf. Oh, so cool. he was able to stay and enter the novitiate. Um, and that's when they gave him the name Brother Andre, which is what he was known as the rest of his life in 1874. Since he wasn't very educated and couldn't do a lot physically, they made him the doorman at the College of Notre Dame in... Cote de Neige, Quebec. Uh And I actually tried to look that up on how to pronounce it. And I don't think I did it right. Um, I will say we have a lot of doorman saints. Yes. That could be a whole, like we got to do saints who were doorman. It's like a whole There's like some symbolism there. Yeah. Gatekeepers. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But yeah, another doorkeeper. So his job was to open the door and greet people at um, the local college. And he also had duties as a sacristan and laundry worker. And just like kind of like a male carrier for yeah. the college. Yeah. Um, and he never became a priest. He was just a lay brother this whole time. And one quote I liked is that he's kind of often said, when I joined this community, they showed me the door, but I remained 40 years instead. Oh, so, that's beautiful. Yeah. So his kind of his miraculous healings kind of began five years after he professed his religious vows. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of one of the first well-documented <clears throat> stories is that uh, one day he looked in on a student at the college that he was working at. They had a high fever and were bedridden. And Brother Andre told him to go outside and play since he was in perfect health. And the the guy got up and went outside. Wow. And then on another occasion, father of two students came into the college and was looking very upset and concerned. Yeah. And uh, Brother Andre went after him and said, like, you know, what's wrong? And the guy said, well, my wife... Um, is suffering from paralysis and she's really sick. Mm. And uh, brother Andre is said to have said, maybe she's not as sick as you think. And supposedly at that moment, miles away, uh, the woman just sat up in bed for the first time. <sighs> That's amazing. 
And alongside these, like while he's doing these amazing things, he yeah. just had like a very discreet apostolate of encouraging people who came through the college and yeah. um, encouraging them to pray. And, you know, like just like a spiritual, like suggesting like different novenas they could try. Yeah. And he was um, really devoted to St. Joseph. Oh. He actually called himself uh, the little dog of St. Joseph. <laughs> Because he had this great devotion to him. So on the back of the medal, there's actually him and St. Joseph's on the other side. Yeah, I saw that. So he said all of his great works were actually, all he would do was would pray and ask St. Joseph to ask Jesus. So he would like even take himself out of the equation altogether. He'd be like, well, this is just remarkable healing because St. Joseph intervened for you. Yeah, right, He was actually the one like praying praying and interceding for those people too. beautiful. So he was also famous um, applying oil from a lamp that burned in front of a statue of St. Joseph. And Mm -hmm. it said that a lot of miraculous things just happened from that anointing too. I find it cool also that like for both cases of these saints, they both had their own like, debilitating like chronic illness and mm-hmm. yet they were both given this um, power of healing others and yeah. so it was like witnessing like their patience and their suffering for sure and also the ability to heal others to like for their faith yeah and there's so many documented cases I was reading through a lot of them and mm-hmm. what I found really cool is that instead of just saying like you're gonna be healed and like this like really mystical way like when crippled people would come to him yeah he would just be like you know what I think if you really tried you could walk just try walking to the door (laughs) and they would do it it was always just kind of like you know he told the man you know I bet she's not that sick why don't you just go check on her just like really like it was never like almost like a little gaslighting (laughs) a little bit yeah but But like kind of like the it kind of captures that pray hope and don't worry yeah it's just very like light you should just go outside you'll feel better and then that person will be like oh i was about but it actually got a miraculous yeah not like actually discounting what they were it's like yeah almost like that humility instead of being like oh you're about to be miraculously healed and no one's gonna get it yeah Yeah, he'd just be like why don't you just go outside yeah just that gentle faith yeah so there was like he became famous in his area oh, there was just like cool. thousands of people who would come to see him i saw an account that said that he would sit in his like little cell and that one day there was like an account of 700 people came to see him wow so eventually uh this he was causing kind of a commotion at the college <laughs> so his superiors um they told him to go to the bus stop and just do do whatever you do there because <laughs> they just like couldn't couldn't handle it. the volume and at one point, his his archbishop kind of checked in on the situation and asked his superiors, what would happen if we just told him he had to stop doing these miracles? And the superiors were like, honestly, he would stop blindly without a word. Just out of obedience. Yeah. And yeah. then the bishop is said to have said, then let him alone. If the work is from God, it will continue. If not, it will crumble away. Yeah. So I really liked that. Because especially, cool. I know Padre Pio faced a lot of like, like people were really unsure of him. Yeah. Like, there was oh, a lot of questions yeah. about his validity. And yeah, like, and some struggle there. So I really liked that that is kind of, they took kind of a hands-off approach. Yeah, let the Lord um, just work. Yeah, I read that they kind of documented all the healings. And at one time, there were more than 4,000 documented pages. of Wow. And that was submitted to his beatification process. Oh of just my all goodness. the things that he would do for people. And that's just all the documented stuff. Yeah. That's crazy. And so there is an instance of, um, a young man who had been hurt in like a factory accident and his yeah. like face was like 
um, really disfigured and burned. And it was like, he was in danger of losing his eyesight because of his injuries. Yeah. And he was trying to find brother Andre, but he was actually ministering to someone who was dying of cancer at the time. Mm -hmm. But then all of a sudden, um, brother Andre just found him Mm -hmm. and told him who said you're going to lose your sight. You have confidence in St. Joseph's intercession. Good. And then he get, it says he gave the man detailed instruction, go to the church, attend mass, go to communion and honor St. Joseph, continue your remedies and then drop an oil of, then drop an oil from St. Joseph and make the following invocation. St. Joseph pray for us and all will go well, have confidence. And then it said that he did that. And then within a day, the, his disfigurement just like fell off of his face. They said like, just like kind of crumbled away. And this is while he, like, that happened, but they were telling him, like, Brother Andre can't come. He's busy. But then he just kind of appeared out of nowhere. And then, That's like, cool. did that amazing thing. That's like double dose. Yeah. So, like, dose, yeah. by location, healing in both places probably. Yeah. So the thing that he's still also really known for in the area is that he also really wanted a basilica built to St. Joseph. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of his dream. And the congregation told him he could do it, but he had to pay for it. What? Exactly, right? Um, so he was uh, praying for this this to happen, be able to happen. Yeah. And he, um, it said that another brother kept saying like, man, it's so weird. I move my St. Joseph statue and then I come back and it's like facing the window. Mm. And so Brother Andre was like, that's not weird. It's a sign. That's yeah. where he wants this uh, chapel built. That's so cool. it said he seeded the mountain with medals of St. Joseph. Like he planted them all in this mountain that was near to the school. Yeah. And um, eventually, kind of coincidentally, the order ended up buying it just so they wouldn't have, like, neighbors close to where they lived, not knowing that the whole time Brother Andre was, like, praying for that spot. Yeah. And then eventually, he was allowed to put a statue in, like, a rock formation there. Okay. That started attracting thousands of pilgrims that he would kind of send up there to make a pilgrimage. Yeah. And then he put, like, a little donation box at the statue and then he cut the um, hair of students on campus for five cents. And then he used, he saved up all his five cents Stop. and got $200 and built like a tiny, tiny little like chap- chapel That's shrine. amazing. Yes. Which I love that he saved up five cents. I know. I mean, it's a different time. So like. Um, but like each five cents, he I eventually know. like all together, those tiny five cents made enough for a small chapel. I know built. that's so beautiful. Um, I, that feels very symbolic of his faith too. all these little things just adding up into this big. Yeah. So eventually yeah. like a little bit of a bigger, like a small oratory mm-hmm. was built with like a chapel and an office. And that's where he took up his residence and oh, he cool. would take care of the chapel and that's where people would visit him. That's neat. Um, that's a big upgrade from the bus stop. Right. <laughs> and then like 13 years later, they built a larger church that could fit like a, like a thousand people. But then eventually like all the people coming to do pilgrimage, like that was too little. So then eventually they started building the actual basilica. Yeah. And then this was all around the time of the great depression. So it said in 1930s that in the 1930s, there was a lull in the construction where they mm-hmm. just couldn't continue because of the economy at the time. Yeah. And it said that, um, Brother um, brother Andre said, well, if St. Joseph wants a roof over his head, he'll get it. And then just in two <laughs> months, they were able, they had the funds again and were able to continue. Oh, that's awesome. Continue building it. Um, and then this, he's doing all these things while he's still like opening the door, being sacristan, delivering the mail and just like going oh, about wow. his duties. Yeah. Okay, he so still, he's like, still did working all those of jobs. That. Yeah. yeah. So, and that's also where, like we said, he would greet all these 700 people a day yeah. who were coming, coming to him. And Again, similarly to Padre Pio, he um, was just 
still struggling with his own illness. Yeah. He was always fatigued. He's, it said that he moved like in a really slow way. Um, mm-hmm. And kind of like you could tell he was in pain, but he still spent hours on his knees and with his arms extended the form of a cross. Wow. And he would be like that all night. So mm-hmm. I read an account that his um, fellow brothers would plead with him to sleep and say, like, just make it a prayer. Make your sleep a prayer. Like yeah. You have to sleep. And that he would tell them, if you knew the state of those who asked my prayers, you wouldn't suggest that. But he also, like, would <sighs> So he would do penance yeah. yeah. So, and that's how he lived his life at the age of 92. He ended up just becoming a little bit more frail and, um, and sickly. And he yeah. was consoling all those around him. Like, he knew that he would eventually die but he also would say like don't worry i'm gonna do more in heaven than oh, i ever very, did very yeah. closely related yeah yeah so he died on january 6 in 1937 and then it was like in all the newspapers in montreal brother andre is dead is like the the big headline that ran yeah because he was so known it made like news everywhere right and so this is said to have like mobilized a huge crowd that wanted to go up to the basilica to pay pay their last respects yeah and it said that one million people visited the oratory that he oh had built my goodness. so that they could like go through and see his his body and like oh. like as a viewing which is crazy That's, one million people i know i think i saw like it was like ended up being like one in three people who lived in the area that went like that many see. people like the wow. statistic um that's incredible yeah so his remains actually still lie there in in the um basilica now mm-hmm. so you can still go and see see him and I think Brother Thomas is one who told me that if you go there, like the walls are just like covered and like crutches and things that people oh, still leave so to cool. show that yeah. he still like is intercessing He's still for them. Healing. Yeah. Ah. Um, and for his beatification, there was a healing from cancer in 1958. And I think I read his canonization, there was a healing of a young boy, mm-hmm. but that family didn't want to be known. So I wasn't quite sure on that. And he ended up being. Ended up being uh, beatified on October seventeenth in twenty ten, and he is um, the first saint from the Congregation of the Holy Cross. Cool. And they're actually the um, they're known because they are the founders of Notre Dame University oh, okay. too. That's a okay. Holy Cross school. Yeah, that's um, so cool. Yeah, like I said, I Brother Andre knew about him because he um, I knew he loved Saint Joseph and he yeah. was a healer, and that's it. But I really knew about him because of, of Brother Thomas and how excited he was for yeah. Brother Andre. We should um, pray for Brother Thomas. I know. Like, he was so elderly when I met him. I'm sure he's a saint in heaven now. <laughs> probably praying for us. But yeah. But yeah, just like a Such super, a cool story. Yeah. Super Thank humble. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. But did amazing things for the Lord. Yeah. So when I thought of a superhero, I thought of him. Yes. I love that. And that spirituality of doing little things and then reaping these, like, huge... And they said, like, he was very crazy. meek yes. and very shy. I just felt like he's such, like, a gentle... Soul. A gentle yeah. but powerful person. Like yeah, we think like of, the Lord used that in a yeah. very powerful way. Like maybe he's not like a big, strong, like manly superhero, but he did like still like huge, powerful things. That's what I think I'm gathering from this superhero topic is that it's really about just surrendering like mm-hmm. to the Lord completely and allowing the Lord to work his graces through you. And so when we put our pride aside, it's like just the floodgates open with the graces and just like so many miracles can happen. So that's really those, those powers are coming from the Lord and we're just the vessel. Yeah. And I so. think my takeaway is that, you know, cause like I love Marvel. Yes. It's hard to keep, there's so many things to keep up with. There's so many, there's a lot out now. There's the so many universe for yes. sure. But I mean, I love Marvel and I grew up on like superheroes and seeing yeah. like my older brother read Spider-Man and stuff. Right. The comic book. So, but I think like my takeaway is like, 
we are so hungry for like amazing feats and amazing stories and like mm. for the miraculous and like we see like how much like in game how like that grows so much but like the lord is like it's, it's like, like I'm, I'm this doing. is real <laughs> i'm doing these actual things just think about captain america he was like small and scrawny yeah. right before he got the super soldiers here i'm like right. i'm taking actual <laughs> frail people and actually they're actually they're not like cgi'd actors <laughs> like that's what the Lord is offering to us. Okay. So should we do blessing and burden? Yes. Okay. I have, my blessing is something called the surrender novena. Oh, okay. Which have you heard of it no. before? Okay. It was written by Padre Pio's oh. spiritual director. Oh, wow. Um, Father Don Delindo. And it's a beautiful novena about surrendering to the Lord, all of our fears and worries and just letting him take care of everything. And so that I've done that multiple times and I've done it with different people and it's just brought um, a whole new layer of like closeness and intimacy with the Lord in that mm, surrender. Okay. So that's my blessing. Check it out. Surrender Novena. Okay. Um, my burden is there is a Padre Pio movie out with Shia LaBeouf. Is it out already? It it was released in like September, but nobody can get like nobody knows where it is, where you can watch it. I think I'm excited to watch that. You know, I love Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Why we can't watch it in America? But that's my burden. Okay. It's like, I can't watch the movie and I want to watch it. Okay. I'm, can I steal that burden? Because I this whole time <laughs> I've been waiting for it to come out. Yeah. I didn't know it was already released. It came out in September. I didn't know that. That and makes sense. Been, why I feel he like was there's a cover up. It. Yeah. There's a cover up somewhere and we just don't know what's going on. Okay. I'm going to steal. Well, actually my burden is that um, I made an entire beautiful, delicious lasagna Yum. yesterday. Uh-huh. And as soon as I put it in the oven, I checked, I was going to rinse out the tomato sauce jar. Yeah. And I found mold in the jar. Oh, yikes. So I'm sorry to hear that. We've had, to, it just felt so bad how much food was wasted. Yeah. There's a lot of ingredients that. in lasagna. Oh my gosh. I'm, it still oh. like physically hurts me <laughs> that I just like took a what whole a lasagna out yeah. of the oven and then put it in the trash. Oh. Well, we said we should save it and feed it to Bruce. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> a lot I to feed it away. Yeah. Um, Bruce, I feel like I want to make him his update my blessing. Oh, yeah. Because I feel like all summer and last fall, I just complained <laughs> about him. He's adorable. Well, he, so he is kind of like a Hulk, Bruce Banner situation. <laughs> when we got him, he was full on Hulk, like yeah. destroyed things. I didn't know if we could keep him. Yeah. His, his, but anyway, I talked to a dog behaviorist and she was like, I think he has anxiety. And she recommended this thing called the mellow shirt. It's just like a little a jacket he wears. <laughs> He's Bruce Banner now. Like <laughs> that's awesome. totally like we used to have to send him out when we recorded. Yeah. yeah. He would cause He's disruption. Just chilling He's on just the couch. Sitting on the couch. Just hanging out. Yeah. He's, He's adorable. So we helped him with his, his anxiety. I love and that. Now I don't feel the need to come on here and just be like the deleted verses. <laughs> I feel like he has my burden every week. Because it, of it all the mischief he got into. But yeah. he's like a totally different dog Totally right now. different he's dog. Zend out he's big just, time. Now he's a lap dog. And before he was <laughs> insane, but also like hurting himself with his anxiety. Oh, like he would baby. bite himself and yeah, so. Mellow shirt. Yeah, the mellow shirt. It's on Amazon. That's my blessing. Sweet. Bruce is it. better. His anxiety is <laughs> under control now. Sounds good. Well, I'm excited to be back. Thank yes, we're back listening. for the year. Yeah. Woo. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Snacking with the Saints. Snacking with the Saints is a member of the Spoke Street Catholic Podcast Network. 
If you enjoyed today's episode, please remember to give us a five-star rating or leave us a review. You can also subscribe to be alerted of when we drop our newest episodes. You can find us on Instagram at snacking.saints.pod. Come on over, tell us your blessing and burden for the week. Maybe we'll share it on air. And please remember to keep us in your prayers. We're definitely praying for all of you.